Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on money, strangely enough. I think it's been 30 years and counting, but what the heck here. Um, my uh, co-host this morning, his name is uh, Pat Harridan from Gallagher Benefits. And we just had a pretty interesting hour from my point of view, talking with his uh, one of his peers, Jill Goldstone, uh, on the opioid opioid. Uh, a crisis, a problem, uh, issue, whatever Epidemic. you want to call it. Epidemic. Some word they want to use. Yeah, yep. but uh, pretty scary stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty scary stuff. And, you know, hopefully that was helpful. So the, the plan here for the next hour or so is Pat knows one or two things about, like, employee benefits. benefits. That's a, a wide-ranging mm-hmm. bunch of topics. And, and uh, he's going to uh, cover a few odds and ends here. But if you have any kind of a question or a comment that, that relates to something at work from your benefits pack, or your health care or your disability or insurance or 401k, I'm, I'm betting we could probably help you out here, plus or minus here. Figure and, it out. Yeah, so so the way this works, folks, uh, right now we're broadcasting uh, this morning live from uh, our South Shore studios, uh, WATD 95.9 FM in Marshfield. Uh, and if you have questions for us, give us a call at 781 781- 837-4900. If you're listening to us from the Merrimack Valley on WCAP 980 in Lowell, you can email us your questions at 
questions at McNamara on money.com. And just as a heads up, if you'd like to listen to a rebroadcast of this show, visit McNamara on money.com. How hard is that? Right out loud. You know? It's amazing. McNamara on money. You know, hey, <laughs> who, who knew? Uh, <laughs> anyway, so you you have the podium. Uh, my yes, so dear. a couple of things, Mike. Um, this time of year, I think usually when I'm on in November, December, um, for most of our uh, employees that are listening that are employees of larger companies. This is the uh, probably towards the end of the open enrollment period. So hopefully they would have... Hopefully uh, they're health, healthed up. Yes, they, <laughs> they read all the stuff that they got and um, you know made some decisions. And one of the things that we always tell people at open enrollment is... The open enrollment period, especially from a, if you're working with a private employer, that's the opportunity you know, to change plans if you have options. But also, one of the um, few things <coughs> that people overlook, especially if they work for a larger company, is usually they have an opportunity to uh, purchase other benefits other than traditional medical and dental. Mm-hmm. One of the two, or two of the two, um, that people overlook or don't understand that well are life and dis- life insurance and disability. Both biggies in my world. Right. So most people, um, you know, have an opportunity when they're hired to join them. But then if they're not, they, um, because of the underwriting rules, can't join. You know, when you get sick, you can't just sign yeah. up for disability. Oh, oh really? Let me yeah. write that down. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, we always tell people, you know, look at, you know, there are opportunities to either enroll in the plan or maybe to increase your benefits. Sometimes at open enrollment, life insurance is a good example. You may be offered, you know, a flat $100,000 of life insurance, let's say. And then at open enrollment, they'll say, hey, you can increase that maybe 25000 each open enrollment without doing a medical exam. Okay. You know, so you have an opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the things. And also, we always tell people, um, employers, because they're our clients, you know, Jill and I and, and all the other Gallagher consultants, we work with employers probably for four to six months prior to open enrollment on designing the plans, communicating the plans, setting up websites, setting up communication materials, and a lot of people don't pay any attention. They just yeah. keep what they have and don't do anything. So, you know, your employer spends a lot of time doing it. It's worth, you know, some employers offer a lot of different benefits now. Um, so it's good to at least look at that. The one group uh, that we work with a little bit, their open enrollment is actually more formal is the Medicare um people that are uh, in Medicare plans, their open enrollment actually ends today, December okay. 7th. Okay. So if you're a Medicare... Um, because the government is slow gov- and needs time to process things. <laughs> yeah. so that, that needs reason- time for 411. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, that's a formal uh, time period. So in other words... That's set um, each year, and it's uh, it's very you know unforgiving. You have until December seventh. If you don't uh, you know pick a plan or change a plan, you're in whatever you were in prior. So, two quick things on open enrollment. If you're an employer, e at an employer, make sure you read it um, because again, if you need to make changes and you don't have a life event like a birth, a marriage, an adoption throughout the year, you can't change your plan. So the other thing that's happening in this quarter, Mike, and we talked about this, we had a whole show on it, which was, uh, I got more questions after that show than any other show, was this, in Massachusetts, the Paid Family Leave Act. And if you're an employer, you've gotten probably 50,000 pieces of mail on this plan, (laughs) not only from the state, but also from every 
uh, insurance company out there. So I'm just going to summarize sort of in two different ways. I'm going to summarize it for the employee and for the employer. And then you'll ask me questions, Mike, I'm sure. Okay, pressure's on. Pressure's on. So if you're an employee, you should have seen, starting in October, some sort of deduction in your paycheck for those that still look at your paycheck. And it's a very small deduction, which we'll talk about in a second. But starting on October 1st of 2019, your employer started deducting contributions to fund the paid family leave benefits. Benefits don't start until 2021, but we have to collect... They're building up a war chest. That's correct. Which will be inadequate just as, a, as an aside. Yes, and then they'll increase that withholding later. Correct. But that's okay. So... 10-1-19, you should have started seeing contributions. And again, if you're a Massachusetts... What, what, is that percentage? One, it's a flat percentage. It's right? a percentage, which I'll tell you in a second yeah. when I get to the employer side. Because employers have options and depends on the size mm -hmm. of who you work for. So 10-1, everyone should have seen something being deducted. Unless your employer was covering the whole cost. Or the employer had a private plan meaning, they, we'll talk about in a second, they had a plan that was just as good as the state plan or better, they would have filed for an exemption and no contributions would be taken. Got it. So now what happens? So nothing happens in 2020 other than deductions from your paycheck if they're part of the state plan. Then beginning on January 1st of 2021, if you're a covered employee, which we'll talk about in a second, you can get 20 weeks of paid medical leave when you have a serious health condition that incapacitates them from work. So you physically, you the employee, mm -hmm. have to be sick. 20 weeks paid medical leave. And there's limits, and we'll talk about in a second. But uh, starting on January 1st, you get 20 weeks of paid medical leave. So that's the medical piece of it. You also can get 12 weeks of paid family leave if you have a birth, adoption, foster care, or um, you have a member who is in the armed forces and they've been called to duty. So you get family leave for that, so okay. 12 weeks. Then you can get uh, up to 26 weeks of paid family leave to care for a family member who is a covered service member with a serious health condition. So if you have someone who's in the military who has a serious health condition, you can get uh, 26 weeks. So you can't get any more than a combined 26 weeks of any of those categories. Okay. You can't add them all and yep. get yep. 52 weeks. Okay. 26 weeks is it. Then on July 1st of 2021, so think about 2021 in two parts. January 1st, paid medical leave for yourself, paid uh, family leave for birth adoption um, or an emergency from a member being deployed, or 26 weeks for a family member who's in the military to care for their serious health condition. And then on 2021, uh, January 1st, I'm sorry, July 1st, you can get 12 weeks of family leave to care for any family member, they don't have to be in the military, for a serious health condition. So you can get 12 weeks of paid family medical leave for yourself if you have a condition, and then starting on July 1st, you can get 12 weeks to care for a spouse or a, a child. Paid family leave. But again, in any single year, benefit year, which I believe was gonna run October to 
um, to, uh, September, you can't get any more than 26 weeks of paid leave. Okay. And we'll get to the funding, your question, in a second. How'd you know? Oh, I know. I know where you're going, Mike. <laughs> so who who's eligible? So if you are paid wages by a Massachusetts, so you're, you're an employee, if you're paid wages by a Massachusetts employer, or if you're residing in Massachusetts and paid on a 1099 for, so an independent contractor, yeah. only if that firm has more than 50% of its workers as 1099s. That's typically like real estate agents mm-hmm. and other people that are paid 1099s. Or if you're a self-employed individual, you can opt into the program. Okay. And pay for your own paid family leave. Alrighty. <laughs> and so the, the benefits are twofold. One is you're getting a paid family uh, leave benefit. The maximum is uh, 850 bucks, just as as an aside. Right now, the maximum weekly benefit is $850. Um, but so you get the benefit. And then the second thing you get is job protection, which people get now under the uh, Family and Medical Leave Act, the federal law mm-hmm. that's unpaid. But you get job protection, meaning if you take leave, you can. You need to be, when you come back, you either are restored to your previous position or an equal position with the same status, pay, and you can't lose any seniority or uh, service. So it's not a break in service. And then, like I said, the um, the benefit amount is a maximum of 850, depending on the formula that's used. But you can't get any more than 850 a week. Um, and uh, like I said, an employer could offer a a private plan, meaning they have a plan outside of the state plan that's at least offering these benefits. So everyone's going to get these benefits. So now to your question, Mike. So if you're, so that's if you're an employee. An employee, you're either going to pay now and get a benefit in 2021, or you're not going to pay now and your employer is going to start offering these benefits in 2021 if they okay. have a private plan. So. If you're an employer, and this is a little bit trickier, so I'll go slower. So some dates that have passed but are important. On September 30th, you should have notified your workforce of the um, uh, notice that was actually created already for employers that there is this law coming up in 2021. They should have notified everyone on September 30th. They had to have employees acknowledge that they got something. Then, as we said, October 1st, they um, either started collecting the contributions or they're applying for a waiver. You know, they have their own plan. And then uh, as part of their was because again, if they start withholding, which we'll give you the numbers in a second, they start remitting their contributions in January of 20, so every quarter. So the quarter ends December. In January, they submit the whatever they've contributed. And then, again, for all of 2020, it's just either con- contributions are collected or the plan's in place. So what is the current <laughs> current percentage? So right now, it is the total for both the medical and the family leave is 0.75%. So 0.007 or 0075. 0.75% of gross wages. Three quarters of a percent. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Point, I, I like it. 0.0075. Um, 
So how it breaks down is it's point. Uh, 0.062, 0.0062% for the medical component and 0.13% for the family leave component. Okay. So a total of 75%. Okay. A 0.75%, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and again, so if you're... Um, so the, how it gets funded is a little unique depending on how big you are, meaning how big you're an employer you are. So if you've got 25 or more employees... Last year, you know, for a, they measure it the previous year, you um, have to pay 60%. This is where it gets confusing, Mike, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you'll do the math in your head. 60% of the medical leave component is what the employer is required to pay, which okay. is 60% of the 0.62%. Got it. They don't have to pay any, they don't have to pay any of the family leave component, the 0.13%. Okay. So <laughs> we need more laws. Yes. We need bigger government. Yes. yes. And your payroll company should yeah. be doing this for you. Yes. So basically, the employer is paying uh, 60% of the 0.62. That's their cost of this to fund this program. Got it. But 0.75% is going into the program because they're collecting it from the individuals. Yep. Okay. So what people didn't, I think, understand is this paid family leave is actually being paid by the employees for the yeah. most part. Yeah. So that's if you're over uh, 25. If you're under 25 employees, you don't pay, the employer is not required to pay the 60% and they can deduct the rest from the employee. So if you're under. So if you're basically, if you're an employer with fewer than 25, you don't have to pay any of the, you don't have to fund any of it. The employees are funding it. Um, so again, if you're a W-2 employee, um, or a 1099 contractor and, you know, it's not the one-off 1099 contractor. It's it's if your business has more than 50% contractors. There are certain industries, like we said, that Mm -hmm. have that. Um, So that's if you're in the state plan. If you have a private plan, it's a little, not trickier, but a little more work. So you have until December 20th, some 23 days from now, or 13 days from now, to... um, submit a application for an exemption. So what you have to do is, let's say you're an employer who's very generous, and you say, look, I cover more than 850, yeah, I cover My benefits my are, are equal to right, or above Equal to or this. better. Yeah, got right. it, okay. And, and to be honest with you, very few are because of the way this is structured, yeah. but there are employers who will do that. Um, so what they do is they say, hey, look, I don't wanna collect you know, and pay 60% of the premiums for 15 months. Like, I can take that money, save it, and buy a plan or yeah, have sure. my own plan. Okay. So you need to submit um, an exemption which requires a lot of information, yeah. like financial statements, but also a, cop- a copy of the policy. So you have to sort of do all this and say, hey, um, I want, um, I want to um, get this exemption. Now, the interesting thing is, if you knew you were going to apply for an exemption, did you start taking contributions already because you don't know if it's going to be approved or not? Yeah, and then what okay, do you do? Yeah, okay. But that's another story, right? right. Yeah. Okay. Or if for some reason it doesn't get approved, do you go back and start taking contributions? You know what I mean? It's yeah, a little yeah. confusing. Yeah. But again, this is the first year of doing it. I think they're going to be a little bit, the Office of Paid Family Leave, which is again a new agency within the um, state government, uh, they don't have that many employees. It's if, if a lot of people apply for exemptions, it may be a while before these are approved. Wow. You know, the thing that's floating around through my mind is, 
how on God's green earth do you do the math to figure out it's 0.75 and it's going to work? I mean, I'm sure I'm hoping some research was done, but that is like a mind-boggling guess I mean, yes. from my point of view. But well, it was, I believe, uh, I forget the actual number, but this was delayed um, three months, I think, for for some reason um, this year. So they changed it. I think it was 0.63 and they bumped it up to 0.75. Yeah. Okay. I will tell you, in sta- no, no shock to you, Mike, but in states that have these plans already, and more and more states oh, are so doing this it. is a, okay, we're not the first. Oh, yeah, we're not the first. Oh, that's on unusual. This one. Okay, well, good to we're know. We're definitely not the first. Oh, really? Um, so in states that have done this, the um, contributions surprisingly have not been able to fund yeah. the entire pool. Yeah. So obviously, I think they're in the statute, they, the this Department of uh, Family Medical Leave has. Um, they're in charge of the fund, so they have to look at it every October and determine what the new rate is going to be. Yeah. So my sense is, given that a lot of these companies, especially the smaller companies, don't offer anything now. Yeah. There's no... So I think there'll be obviously some high utilization of uh, this. Yeah, you have no idea how that's going to work. You don't. Yeah. But we just know from other employers, yeah. I mean other states, this um, the utilization has been much higher than what... Um, they thought. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. So, in other words, um, so for the employers, the, the one confusing thing when we kind of we've been doing these open enrollment meetings is people think because they're paying now that it starts now. Yeah. And okay. it doesn't. They have to build. I mean, you can understand they have to build a war chest uh, that, that's hopefully sustainable. We we shall see. We shall see. So, um, so yeah. So paid family leave is the one. Um, not difference, but one change for um, for this year that, um, again, has caused a lot of, I guess, confusion from employers and employees. But like you said, Mike, a lot of opportunity to do some math on the back end. So if yeah. I'm an employer who's yeah. big, I may say, hey, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to collect the um, the contributions, and I'm going to actually do a uh, a private plan. And there are obviously private plans that exist. The, well, yeah, that was the other thing that and are the, they competitively priced. These, well, the interesting thing is uh, some are, uh, which leads me to believe that uh, the ones that aren't are more realistic. In other words, if they're <laughs> <laughs> they're pricing it correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're right. So the all all these plans that are out there are brand new because they have to duplicate. No one had a plan that duplicated with these, these benefits. With these benefits, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the employers had to do that. So that's that's one topic uh, in, in open enrollment time that uh, we're dealing with now. You're listening to McNamara on Money and Good Morning. My name is Mike McNamara, strangely enough, and uh, my co-host uh, and good friend Pat Harridan from Gallagher Benefits is here this morning. We drag him in here a couple to three times a year to talk about employee stuff and those benefits you have at work because, hmm, mighty important part of your life as far as we're concerned. So the way this works, folks, uh, we're broadcasting live this morning uh, from the south shore of Boston on WATD 95.9. 9FM in Marshfield. If you have questions for us this morning, give us a call at 781-837-4900. If you are listening to us from the Merrimack Valley on WCAP 980 AM in Lowell, you can email us your questions at 
questions at McNamara on money.com. And oh, by the way, if you'd like to catch a rebroadcast of this show, you can do so by visiting McNamara on money.com. Strangely enough, how hard is that? We figure. Very easy. All righty. Yeah, we, mm. we decided after, you know, like 30 years, we should probably have a dedicated mm, website. website just to the radio show. I, I'm, it'll take me a while to learn some things, but that's okay. <laughs> so anyway, Pat, we've got about uh, 30 minutes here yes. uh, to, to kind of get across the word. I had a couple quick questions Please. for you. So, so d- disability insurance is a pretty oh, yeah. important uh, insurance uh, for a whole lot of folks working. Uh, and these are some statistics that you can just make up if you're not sure. But I'll make them I, I'd be curious about, <laughs> on an average company you work with, what percentage of people actually uh, do the long-term disability? And then I'd be curious if you have any statistics about how many people actually realize that, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Okay. No, it's 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 that's a good question, Mike. So there's two types, uh, and again, this goes to the pricing and how attractive it is, right? Yep. So there's two types of um, disability programs. So in other words, if you're an employer and you want to offer disability, you have to get a certain participation rate. That's your question. How many people are going to take it when they offer it? So what some employers do is they'll pay for it for the employee. And that way you get 100% of the employees that take it. And you're going to get, obviously, a more stable pool because not everyone needs yeah, you've got some good people that won't get. You got disabled. premium yeah. who do it. It'll level out basically. Yeah, right. And then if you do a voluntary yeah. disability, which is so, there's two things. Contributory in our world means okay. the employer pays got some it. or most. Got it. And again, as you know, if your employer is paying for your disability premium, the benefit you receive is taxable. So that 60 or 66% benefit becomes a taxable benefit to you. Better than a stick in the eye. That's right. Still not great, though. Yes. But if you if you pay the premium yourself, yep. the, the benefit is tax-free. So obviously on a contributory plan where the employer is paying, we just enroll everyone. Sure. Because no one's going to say, no, you're giving me, quote-unquote, free insurance. On the flip side, if it's voluntary, you know, we struggle, uh, depending on how we educate, how we enroll people, 25 30%. Yeah, okay. Of the people. Yeah, okay. Uh, and again, it all goes down to... Because it's not inexpensive and they're paying for it themselves. Right, and right some now. people, as I, you probably see this more um, because you're dealing with... Well, mostly you're dealing with some people who are contemplating retirement or yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. The they Most people, in general, feel they know that death is a certainty, but they don't realize that the chance of them being disabled is greater than them dying young. Okay, yeah. So they're going to be, you know, probably three times more likely to be disabled. And we're talking about not a maternity, which is, you know, technically a disability. We're talking sure. about being unable to work for, you know, three more, three or more months. Yep, okay. So unless you've had either phys- um, sorry, personal experience with a disability, know someone who's gone, or... One of the employees that's well-known, like has cancer, God forbid, or something, and they know that, oh, the the disability plan is paying, you know, a portion of his salary. Unless you have those stories. That that, that awareness, basically. People people think that there's no way this will happen to me. And what I said before is true, too. Sometimes they only have one shot to do it. They can't, you know, come in, you know, jump in and jump out. So um, I think, in my mind, especially for younger Workers, disability is far more important than life insurance Amen. because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and the other thing too is the good news about some of these annoying ads, um, like for um, you know the duck ads, the yeah. uh, 
that talk about, you know, hey, who's going to pay your bills when you can't work? From those insurance quacks. Right. <laughs> they, they create for us an awareness of people because yeah. people will yeah. come up to us and say, yeah. hey, so if I get cancer, God forbid, yeah, yeah, my health insurance will pay my medical bills. Yeah. But if I can't go to work because I'm going to chemotherapy, who's going to pay my mortgage, my... Yeah, good question. Right, right yeah. my car, my kid's college. So disability, very important. I think more people, quite honestly, pick life insurance because it's simple. Yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. But on the disability, so if, if it's voluntary Terry. on the part, the participant patient rates are like 30 35%. 30%. Okay, and the prices are probably better higher. than what they could do on their own. But, but still higher than they could be. But, but higher than they could be, basically. Yeah. Got that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So how about and life insurance? Same and life insurance, yeah. again, the same thing. Yeah. Most companies offer a basic minimal amount of life insurance. Okay. Just just, just as basically as Just basically like a five or a $10,000 policy. Yeah. We see lots of those. Yeah. Because okay. the way they... Because in... <laughs> if the most of the carriers say, hey, if you want to buy our disability product, you got to buy our life. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So again, because they want, you know, they want the premium on the life to helpfully offset the disability. So they may pick, okay, 10,000 and then people have the option to buy up, right? Yeah, okay. And you guys do the math better. Yep. You know, a lot of people can't, you know, obviously they don't want to deal with death, right? Yep. They never want to deal with, hey, I'm going to be dead and how, do, how much do I need? But most people pick, uh, it's interesting, most people pick the life insurance based on the either the amount or the premium, not what they need. Uh, like you know, they'll there say, you go, "There you go." Oh, how much can I buy? Right? Yeah, five yeah. times. I, I can get five times my salary. That's you know, let's say they make fifty. That's yeah. two hundred fifty thousand bucks. Okay, great. But what's your mortgage? Yeah. What's your what you, you know, need? Yeah, what, what do you need? What's yeah. your your kids going to go to college? Yeah. How about your spouse? Are yeah. they going to have to go back to work? Yeah. And so that's the interesting part is. People buy not based on on need; they just based on availability. It's yep. like, oh, it's easy. And to be honest with you, when we do employee meetings, we always say to them, "Look, your your employer is is being very generous. They're going to even pay for the life insurance for you." But I'm going to guess for 98 percent of you, this is not enough yeah. life insurance. Yep. You're not going to unless you're a single person, no family. You just need something to bury. Ten grand will work, yep. but very rarely do you see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and but we do get a higher. Um, there is a higher uh, take up on life. Yeah. And how about the so but the voluntary? Yeah. Voluntary. It's yeah. a little higher. It's probably yeah. closer to 40 percent. Yeah. Because it's it's cheaper. Number one. Yeah. yeah. And secondly. Um, Depending on the age group of the employer we're dealing with, yeah. like as you get people in there, because again, you know, it has to be a story, right? Oh, did you guys know John? He died at age forty-five. No. He had two kids, yeah. you know, all that kind of thing. So, okay. I think in the times we live in, people are are conscious of the death thing, but they, they don't realize that they can be the chance of them being disabled is is yeah. a lot greater. Mm -hmm. And Social Security disability is not going to cover, you know, their their benefit, they need a, a stronger benefit. Thank you. Yeah. So. I just wanted to give that some emphasis. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So when you when you show up at Mike's office with your <laughs> financial we, we plan. We ask questions. You've got to <laughs> check the box. Do you have a disability we policy? Do you have? And then the other thing, Mike, to, in more relevant here is, you know, they should, under in addition to what I said about open enrollment, they should know whether or not they their, their, their policies are, are portable. So in other words, yeah. let's say I'm working for employer XYZ. And I got all these benefits, like, uh, let's say I got life insurance and disability and I wasn't sick. Then for some reason I got sick, right? But not enough to claim disability, but I just have, I have either like high, you know, I have a, a high blood pressure or something. If you're able to take those policies with you to the next job and just pay the premiums yourself, yeah. 
you're still getting the benefit of perhaps a, a group rate on the individual side, as opposed to, you know, if your employer doesn't have, a, if you have to get uh, medically qualified to buy up, yep. you may pay higher rates. Yeah. So people just don't spend the time that they should on life and disability, yeah. not only when they're young, but also, as you said, when they are. Yeah, and that's a difficult older. calculation to do on a website by yourself in five minutes. Right, on you the, need how much someone. Life insurance like, do you need uh, uh, truly? And right, it and just it, is. It, there's a lot of variables in that number. And, and yeah. as you, as we said during the break, you know, sometimes yeah. when you go to a person selling life insurance. Yeah. That may not you, be. You the, may end up needing more than you're actually needing. Right. You may, <laughs> or, or said differently, the, that questionnaire might, you know, assume, assume that you know, don't bother. You know, if there's only so much. Here's my here's my take. <laughs> People only have so much money. Okay, if you put all of your money in life insurance and don't put any money in your 401k, that's a problem. Right. And the and the Some other side. extreme is a problem as well, sort yep. of a thing. And so there's some sort of a balance. There's never enough money. And so when you do those calculations, you figure out how much you need. Right. And then kind of go from there. And hopefully you can pay for it and still manage the rest of your life, sort of a thing. But yes. yeah, it's a... Th- that's a, a very important calculation for a whole bunch of folks. Right, and yeah. and like I said, that, that's where we, you know, even people in our own, you know, our, empl- our own employees, sometimes when they're younger yeah. and we, they always ask us, hey, should yeah. I take the, because we offer a bunch of different benefits. Yeah. So yeah, take as much as you can because yeah. you're not going to yeah. get it cheaper. Yeah. And contribute to your 401k because yeah. we have a match. Right, yeah. Don't I give mean, away free if money. If you went to an investment person giving you that, the, the, the life insurance might be secondary. The, the, oh, you got to, let's say you're going to live when you need to do this. You're going right. to die. You need to do that. Well, you know, pick one. It's just it's just an emotional and a, a very serious calculation, folks. That's yes. It. Okay. All right. So now it's, uh, we got 15. It's quiz time, Mike. Alrighty. Okay. Alrighty. So you haven't, you haven't been in the game. You haven't been with me in a while. I understand. So, so this is what I find interesting. So every year... We have a thing called, you'll appreciate this for other reasons, we have a thing called the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission. Already. Another taxpayer. Another layer of uh, administration, yes. And they publish a report every, um, it's usually in around this time of year for the prior year. So in other words, we're talking about 2018 data. Okay. Because they need to collect it and do all that. Sure. But there's a few interesting things, and this almost ties back to what Jill was saying earlier. So I'll give you the, the bottom line, and then I'll ask the components. So we spend... In Massachusetts, well, I'll ask you. you. I'll see if you can come up with this number. What do you think we spend in Massachusetts for health care? And I got to preface this by saying this is employer, Medicare, Medicaid, Mass Health, everything. When you say you spend our premiums, no, or just what we cost. What we spend. Uh, ask, uh, what we spend, I mean... Total. To, to, to Total. pay for all of an average... Oh, no, Everyone. As a state. As Everyone. A state. Massachusetts, oh, 6.5 Massa- million people. Okay, 6.5. So uh, oh, okay. Mm. $22 billion. You're a little less than halfway there. No kidding. 60. Sixty Holy billion. Cow. Whoa. Now, I was. I just. Do, I always do quick math. It's yeah. about 10000 bucks per person. Whoa. Six and a half million. Whoa. Okay. So... Okay, so $60 billion, billion we spend. We've done this spot. And interestingly enough, the, what I find, I find this somewhat interesting, is Mass, Mass Health is our program, like our Medicaid mm-hmm. program, and for children. How much of that 60 do you think is Mass Health? Oh. Let me see. So we're 60, huh? 60. Five. 15. Okay. Right. So yep. it's, it, I find it, 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 you know, it's interesting in our... Because when you think about Massachusetts, and the other thing that they do, which I find very good, is they talk about how our spending compares to the U.S. Okay. Because when you think about Massachusetts, for example, 
we have, you know, over 70 hospitals in Massachusetts. Okay. You go to a state who's twice the size in land area, yeah. they may have half the hospitals. North, North Dakota probably right. is an example. Half okay. the hospitals. Yeah. And we have teaching hospitals, right? We have a lot of doctors. We've got high cost of healthcare. We've uh -huh. got technology. We've got all these innovating teaching hospitals and all that. So one of the things that they do, which, um, again, is interesting um, for a number of reasons because it compares mass to the U.S. And sometimes... In our mind, we think, oh, it's got to be higher, right? Mass is no. always higher. No. Um, and the interesting thing is in, in our spending growth or our growth rate yeah. is actually lower than the U.S. So even though our number probably is higher per capita, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah. the absolute number is yeah. higher. Yeah. The spending is lower. Okay. But um, so what they do is, and this goes, I gave the answer away a little bit, but they do these different categories of healthcare, and they did this on every population, but I just look at the Medicare. The reason the Medicare population is a good one to look at is because it's all government data. Like in other words, there's one data yeah, warehouse. Okay, yeah. If they looked at everything else, yeah. the private employers, they'd miss some, and the public health, they'd miss some. But Medicare is probably a good, good example. So we have six categories, hospital inpatient, outpatient, physician, pharmacy, skilled nursing, home health. We are, from a growth perspective, we're above in every category but one. And which one do you think that is? So name those categories again. So please. it's hospital inpatient, hospital outpatient, physician, which is your doctor, yep. pharmacy, skilled nursing, and home health. Home health. Close, it's skilled nurse. I, I was, yeah, I, was, I knew you were going yeah, there. <laughs> one of those two. Okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Knew going wow. There. So the interesting thing is yeah. our pharmacy rate, so our spending growth, is much higher on pharmacy and mass, much higher on hospital inpatient. And when you think about it, it could be two reasons. One is, you know, the other thing that we have here, which I think Jill was alluding to a little bit on the conversation about opioids, our the other thing that we look at, which the public health people look at better, is the education status of our people. Okay. So we have a more uh, highly we have a highly yeah. educated group here. People more attentive to their health needs. Basically. Correct. They yeah. okay. They and and also, you know, to be quite frank, we have a sort of a richer population yeah, we, here. <laughs> that's just making a statement, basically. Right. right. So we've yeah. got we've got yeah. people who yeah. you know uh, are very uh, educated. They know how to. I don't want to say yeah. it in some bad way. They know how to yeah. use the system. Yeah. The average income in Massachusetts versus Higher. other states were up there. Yeah. Higher. Yeah. So we we tend to use services more. Yeah. And sometimes people say like you know some of these they go to, they have these hearings every year. Sometimes they say that's not necessarily a bad thing. In other words, is is the fact that we have a higher, you know, pharmacy rate, is that keeping people out of the hospital maybe? I don't know. No. You know, in other words, if people take if people show up at the emergency room because they don't take their blood pressure or insulin in other states, that increases their hospitalization rate. Ours is lower, but our I don't know. Yeah, yeah, interesting. 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 Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, and then uh, I have one other one that caught my eye, only because you'll get a kick out of it. Um, so the other thing that um, that we look at is what do you think? And this is for the big three, uh, who will now be the big two. So everyone knows. I think that uh, we have three main um, nonprofit health plans: uh, Blue Cross, obviously. Mm -hmm. Tufts and yeah. Harvard. Okay. 
Okay. And Harvard and Tufts are going to merge okay. at some point. So we'll be down to two. Two purveyors here, basically. Yes. Yeah, and okay. there are other plans, like in the in Central Mass, we've got Fallon. Yeah. Always is another one. Smaller, but there they are. These three neighborhood health plan. Then we have uh, Bay State or Health New England out in the Western Mass. And then we have the big three, which are Aetna, Cigna, United. Those um, don't really play well in Mass because um, they don't have the volume of patients. Okay. But one of the things that I always said is, you know, what drives the spending? There's, there's three things that drive healthcare spending. It's the cost, so the unit price. Mm-hmm. So is our is our cost our price higher? Is it the excuse me? Is it the utilization? In other words, how many times we go? Mm-hmm. So the combination of price and thing, or is it the type of provider we go to? What that means is, if people go to the emergency room for a cold, that's not the right yeah. provider. Not match basically. Right. Yeah. Or do they go to a specialist when they should have gone to their primary care? Ah, okay. So you know what I mean, okay. like you know, some people. Oh, I have a you know a whatever uh, you know asthma or something. Oh, well, they don't really don't have it, so they go to a specialist. You skip and, the GP and went right to the uh, whatever. Correct. Yeah. Which in their minds they may yeah. be thinking, oh my, well, why am I going to do two visits? Yeah. I'll go to this one. Then he's going to send me here. Sure. Sometimes that That's general right. practitioner can do it. Yeah. Um, so, and again, to keeping in mind Massachusetts yeah. educated, yeah. higher cost. Yeah. So there's price utilization and mix and which one of them do you think is number one? Mix. 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 It is price. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) So in other words, our, our, and when you add them all up, our our people actually go to the right provider most of the time. Okay. They don't go a lot. Okay. But when they do go, they go to the higher cost provider. Uh And that Uh makes sense to me because there's this whole consumerism thing. So, this is a great question for um, uh, when we do at open enrollment meetings. So if, if I said to you, you know, hey, the reason our healthcare costs are so high is because we go to high cost providers. So you say to someone, hey, there's this tool we're going to put in to help you shop for healthcare, right? So if your doctor says, I need an MRI, you're going to go on this website, you're going to call this number, you're going to call around and say, hey, how much is a little, whatever, a knee MRI, yeah, right? Yeah. So, how many of the people calling around are going to pick the lowest cost knee MRI? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If, if, if they're uh, I want the highest one. That's the best. I want the brain surgeon that makes $2 million a year. That's right. Okay. So, <laughs> so unless, unless we all have a, a second component or a third component of quality, like in ah, other words, ah, okay. this is not like a, uh, a pen. Ah, right? Yeah, you'd have to discriminate that. Right. Yeah, okay. You can't say that like, if or, or an iPad, like yeah. if you saw the same iPad, Mike, yeah. At Amazon and eBay or something, yeah. you know the model number. It's the exact same one. Yeah, you'll be like, "I'll yeah. take the cheaper one." Good, good point. Yeah, right. But if you don't know, you don't have the data. You okay. don't have it, right? Yeah. So unless unless we can say either incent them, like some employers say, if you go to this MRI group, we'll waive the copay or we'll pay you a uh, hundred bucks okay. because we know it's same quality or better and it's lower cost as opposed to going to the yeah. hospital. Yeah, yeah, okay. But that's the biggest thing that people miss when you wow. hear like all yeah, these yeah, political people. Yeah, that makes sense people. when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Because people inherently yeah. think what you just said. Yeah. More expensive means yeah, better. Yeah, they have a bigger machine over here. Right. <laughs> or, right, but you said it, you gave the extreme example. I use heart attack, you use brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Who is going to pick yeah. the lowest cost yeah. 
heart surgeon. Well, well you know, <laughs> and by the way, that's so funny that you say that because, you know, I, I like to occasionally say uh, that in our business, we don't want to be the lowest cost provider of anything. Right. Okay. Uh, in our in, a, in an advisory business. But yeah, think about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you're, and, 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 and that's a good point. So if you're a doctor, <laughs> could, yeah. if you're a doctor yeah. and you know, let's say, you know, just use round numbers, let's yeah. say the average um, cost for an office visit is about 150 bucks. And they know that most employer, most employees, if they have a non-high deductible plan, are going to pay a copay, twenty bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For that person who's paying twenty bucks, in their mind, it doesn't matter if it's one hundred and fifty, two hundred, three hundred, because I'm only paying twenty bucks. Yeah. Same thing on the drugs. Yeah, yeah you got no, st- not much of a stake in the they game. They don't there. care. Yeah, right. But you're right. So if I'm a provider, yeah. why would I say I'll do it for a hundred bucks? Yeah. It's not going to move people. Yeah. However. Once people start paying, like, not the full cost, yeah. but they have that transparency. More sensitive. Thing. Correct. Yeah. And then you say, so if I'm getting, it's mostly on elective surgeries. Yeah. We see it. So if I'm going to get a, um, what's the thing now, like a knee replacement or a hip replacement, you want three things. I would want, I want to know the price. I want to know the outcomes. Yeah. How many people yeah. are satisfied with their hip? How's this going to work? Yeah. Okay. And also, like, you know, other things like what's the recovery time? What's the readmission rate? So... I think that, you know, the cost thing is is an important one, but it's hard to, you cannot, what I always tell people is you can't buy, you don't want to buy health care on cost. So, for example, if you have, if you've got, like you said, Mike, if you've got a, a person who's, even the premiums, like we have some employers who have like three different plans, they may say, Hey, we're gonna price this plan at you know ten bucks a week. This plan at twenty bucks a week. This plan at thirty bucks a week. The person saying, "Well, what's the, what, what's the ten dollar yeah. a week plan yeah. not have?" Right. So I always tell people, you healthcare is not or health insurance isn't something you buy on price. You have to yeah. buy it on what it covers, yeah. where you can go. And most people, again, they have this. You know, it's it is funny that you know people still think highest cost means better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, that sounds so simple. If you, if you were educated about it, okay, and, and had a stake in it, and it, would, mm-hmm. it meant something to you, you'd probably choose wisely, right? Yeah, right, and yeah. also, too, people have a perception that the best is, you know, the best is the highest cost. I think I gave the story a couple of, maybe a couple of times ago where I remember this, the, the way it hit home for me was when we had this whole cost, quality, where to go, brand names. So I, I was with a, we were with a group of doctors from Mass General, and he was trying to, one of them was trying to explain to us this whole perception issue that you have. Like, yeah. oh, Mass General, it's the best and yeah. it's the most expensive. Oh, yeah. Which it and, is. And you, in uh, conversations on health, you hear that from everybody right. you talk to, right? So he yeah. said to me, yeah. he goes, I'll give you an example of the cost, um, quality, outcome um, in, in one simple example. And he said, okay, we're, at, we're sitting here, we're at Mass General. If I walk out on the street, Longwood Ave or wherever he was, if I walk out on the street, and get hit by a gunshot. I am not asking them to take me back to Mass General. <laughs> you want to go They're going to take me to Boston City yeah, Hospital. At the time, see, it was Boston they City. They see it every day. Or, what, Correct. Or almost so, every day. And yeah. that's the perception. Wow. In other words, wow. they can handle yeah. a gunshot wound better yeah. at Boston Medical Center they than do. they can at yeah. Mass General. Yeah. Same thing like with you know maternity. Not everyone has to get their baby delivered at Brigham and Women's. Yeah, okay. Not everyone has to have their eye exam at Mass Eye and Ear. Yeah, okay. It's a perception. But until people 
have to pay different it, amounts. Understand and have a stake financially. Yeah, it's it. never going to happen. Wow, wow, just like in life, basically. Yes, just like in life. Uh, we're kind of uh, wrapping on down. So, so give, give your a uh, wrap. Well, up. do you have any any? I've got nothing else. Quick, you're done. I've got okay. nothing else other than you know. Make sure you know what your benefits are for next year before you. Yeah, that's it, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, if, if people understood, if it was transparent, if you could do if, some math, if it was like shopping for everything else. Look, look, right, look yeah, at uh, yeah. the, the one example yeah. I always use is yeah. if you look at, Mike, uh, we haven't done it yet, but if you do LASIK, right? Yeah. When LASIK came out, yeah. it was like 10000 bucks. Yeah. But insurance didn't cover it, so people were paying the full cost. Yeah. So what's the LASIK cost now? Yeah, yeah. Lower. Yeah. Right? But it's the same quality because it's the same people. Yeah. So until people start paying the full cost, yeah. you're never going to see, you know, people making decisions based on cost. Well, the translation for that from a government point of view is the more we give to folks, the less they'll, they'll be get analytical about it. That's We're going to have Medicare for all soon, too, all right, Mike. You know? There you go. <laughs> uh, how about a phone number in case somebody wants yes, to chat uh, with please? 617-351-604. Five, four. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I just got, you know, I, <laughs> it sounds so simple to fix on that, Pat. It, it, it just sounds so simple. Uh, but it, it, it won't. Until people understand, like, what it costs them for a, even a simple thing like a visit. Even the prescripts, the scripts that uh, Jill was talking about. Yeah. Some people take prescriptions and I ask them, oh, how much does it cost? They go, I don't know, five bucks, ten bucks. They don't know what it costs. Yeah. Would you take it if it cost, right, would yeah. you cost if it cost four thousand, would you take it? Yeah. Or would you ask your doctor for something else? Yeah. So because we don't have that consumerism, no one's gonna change. Mm-hmm.